Psalm 119, verse 9, but I will give, um, I would like you to read with me the entire, um, the entire uh, verse 1 through 9, okay? Let's hear now God's word taken from Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then... I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I remind you this is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's once again pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now to have you instruct us from your word what it is to be pure. And we ask that you enable us to come to an understanding of what is pure. And we ask, O Father, that you pour out your Holy Spirit. Because we know that we can never respond in a way that's appropriate if you don't regenerate us. And leave us only as a natural man with no Spirit of God. In our bodies. So we ask that you, O Holy Spirit, would supply our needs. Speaking spiritual needs to those who are spiritual. For we ask this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. With these words, I envision a young man coming to see me and taking a seat in my office. And he says to me, I have fallen again with my girlfriend. I know that it is sin because I read in God's word and I see that it is sin. The lack of purity is sin. Please help me. I desire to be free from this sin. I desire to walk purely. My girlfriend and I want to walk purely, but we just can't seem to do it. Please help me. I believe that this verse has sexual connotations. Of course, it has bigger implications, but this question for the young man 
has sexual connotations. After all, one of the Ten Commandments speaks negatively, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But also it speaks positively. It insists that you shall be pure or chaste in your sexual, from sexual defilement. And I think that this is a common struggle, especially for young men. Believe it or not, I was a young man once. I know that this is a struggle for young men. But it is also a struggle for older men as well. After all, older men still have affairs. It is a struggle for younger women as well as older women. They, after all, still have affairs. But I don't want to lose the focus of these words of Scripture. How can a young man keep his way pure? I would like to... Uh, particularly call young men to pursue purity without excluding every person in this congregation. If you believe the Bible is God's inspired word, and it says it is, you have the obligation to pursue purity. I will establish that point from the Old and New Testaments and then apply it to our lives. This leads us to our doctrine, and it is this. The only way to pursue purity is by God's gracious help to enable you to guard his word as Jesus did. I'll repeat that. The only way to pursue purity is by God's help to enable you to guard his word as Jesus did. In the exposition, I would like to divide this sermon up into four headings. The first heading is purity in the scriptures. The second heading is examples of purity. The third is guarding God's word. And fourth, according to God's word. So purity in the scriptures, examples of purity guarding God's word, and fourthly, according to God's word. So let's take purity in the scriptures. Let us define purity in the scriptures. First, purity in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is divided into three categories, the law, the writings, and the prophets. We will divide purity into these three as purity is differently defined by those. So let's, um, so let's speak of purity in the law. The word pure in the Pentateuch normally functions for the furniture of the tabernacle and the priests. For example, the tabernacle is said to be made from pure gold, and the priests are said to be consecrated to the Lord with pure nard, oil, etc. Purity in the Pentateuch is the gold or silver or oil without defilement. Purity in the writings. The writings of the writings are how the Hebrews speak of Job through Song of Solomon. And the first time that we hear about purity 
anywhere close to how we define purity now is in Job 4.17. Eliphaz says, Can a mortal man be right before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? The speech of Eliphaz continues this vein in Job 15.14-15. What is man that he can be pure? He strikes a chord here. Can a man be pure before God? Or can a man be righteous in God's sight? The emphasis on purity is spoken of as an attribute of God. God is pure. And what man can say he is pure? That takes on the synonym of holiness. To be pure is to be holy. God is holy, pure, And as a result of the fall of Adam, no man can be holy or pure. As Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, Who can say I have made my heart pure? I am clean from sin. Furthermore, because God is holy, we should expect that this, that his word is also holy or pure. Psalm 12 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver, refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Psalm 19.9 says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Let's think about purity in the prophets. In the words of the prophets, water takes on significance. Impurity before a pure God must be washed and cleansed. Take, for example, Isaiah 1.16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Also a word for purity. Remove the evil of your deeds, of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppressions. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's calls. But then God thinks and knows, I can't expect the people of Israel to make themselves clean, to purify themselves from evil. Water will just in this case be wasted. He will have to wash Israel himself. The triune God will have to wash him from evil. Verse 18, and this this common Line, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall become white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If any man is going to be pure, God has to purify him. Fallen man cannot obtain purity. To summarize purity in the Old Testament, it is the absence of defilement as far as gold is concerned. But this is also true of God. Purity is the absence of defilement in God and in His Word. Furthermore, purity is only achieved in humanity if God provides it. This moves us to seek purity. Purity in the New Testament. 
When Jesus comes on the scene, he says something astounding. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How can a pure person be pure before God? Before God? Like Eliphaz, can a man be pure before God? He can only be pure if Jesus Christ makes him pure. If he washes him white as snow. If God, through the blood of the Lamb, carries away the sins of the world. If you are a believer, he has made you pure. So remain in your purity. And if you have been cleansed by Jesus Christ, you are enabled to be pure until the day of Christ. At which point, God will enable you to be wholly pure. Philippians 1.10 So that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And especially the young man is to be kept pure. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. You can only be pure if Christ has washed you clean by His blood and if Christ has set you free from condemnation. You are obligated to walk in continuity with your purity. Let us now turn to purity from the Scriptures and examples of purity from the Scriptures. We will take a positive, positive example and then a negative one. Let us first speak of Joseph. Do you remember when Joseph was sold into slavery by his elder brothers? That could have made him resentful to God, but it didn't. He honored God with every aspect of his life in the positive times and the seemingly negative. When he was in Potiphar's house, he was blessed by the Lord because the Lord was with Joseph and made all his plans succeed. So Potiphar left everything in his hands except for his wife. Let us read from Genesis 39, verse 6. Now Joseph was, a han- was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. And as she spoke to to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Joseph was persuaded that God was holy without defilement. As a believer in God, he could not do this great wickedness and sin against God. He resolved to remain pure. But we know the rest of the story. She caught hold of his coat one day and lied that Joseph had laid with her. And Potiphar believed this and locked him up in prison. 
However, Joseph remained pure and undefiled. However, a negative example is David's impurity in regard to his affair with Bathsheba. Let us turn to 2 Samuel 11. Let us start reading with 1 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besides and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he sent that, excuse me that he saw from the roof the, from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, "Is not this wife of your is not this the wife of Uriah the Hittite?" So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. My first point with regard to David is that David wasn't doing his duty. David wasn't doing his duty. He didn't go out to battle. And this was his duty as expressed in verse 1. When kings go out to war. He was a king, wasn't he? So why didn't he go out to war? And he apparently was lounging around uh, on his couch. David was not performing his obligations. He wasn't doing his duty. Uh, and this, in this, the aphorism proves true. Idle hands are the devil's playground. A second point taken from the example of David is, David looked upon Bathsheba. He went to the roof of this house where a woman was bathing. It is unclear in the text if the sin was going to the roof top of his house, but it was obviously not right to look at Bathsheba without covering his eyes. He realized she was beautiful. He took notice of her, and David had to have her. And the third point is David lusted after Bathsheba. David lusted after Bathsheba as indicated by his inquiring of other people. He desired to take her and messengers to to go and, and, and take her and he lay with her. He did not remain pure. And Jesus says in his exposition of the law that he who has lusted after a woman in his heart is guilty of committing adultery. We know what happens at the end of this story. Bathsheba informed him that she was pregnant and he ultimately kills Uriah the Hittite. This is an example of not remaining pure. So I ask the original question of the text. 
How can a young man keep his way pure? Free from sexual defilement? The answer is revealed in the third heading. By guarding God's word. Verse 9 says again, How can a young man keep his way pure? He gives a response to that question in this, by guarding it according to your word. This appears like two instructions to me. First, by guarding God's word. And second, guarding it according to God's word. We will take the first one first. What is the meaning of guarding God's word? We have an illustration in the Garden of Eden. When God had created man, God actually spoke to man. That is simply amazing. Chapter 1, verse 28, God said to them, uh, verse 29, God said, chapter 2, verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man. Verse 18, then the Lord God said, etc., etc. God speaks to people in their unfallen state. That should have made that should have been the means for cherishing, treasuring, and valuing the Word of God, and means of a celebration. After man was created, and God him, God put him in the garden to work it and keep it. Keep it is exactly, precisely the same word as described in Psalm one nineteen verse nine. That is translated. Guard, guard it. Work and keep it means something akin to an agrarian society, to tend to the garden. However, guard means something more. That you would need to be on guard from someone or something. And I would like to suggest that that is the true meaning of Genesis 2. That in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, the serpent who was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, uttered these fateful words, did God actually say. When Adam and Eve, excuse me, when Adam saw that Eve wavered, Greg Beale says that he was supposed to, supposed to guard that word and he should have slaughtered the serpent right then and there. This is how you should guard God's Word. Fiercely and ferociously. You should be armed because whenever you want to guard God's Word, you are noticed by Satan. Whenever you intend to guard God's Word with all your being, you are immediately under Satan's attack. The fourth heading is guarding according to God's Word. Matthew says, excuse me, Matthew Henry says that we should make God's word our rule. Our rule. He says, young men must take the word of God as their rule and must acquaint themselves with it and resolve to conform themselves to it. That will do, excuse me, that will do more towards the cleansing of young men than the laws of princes or the morals of philosophers. 
If we make the law our rule, that means that we will faithfully apply this rule to our hearts. When you see anything in the Word of God, if you want to keep it, you will want to apply it specifically to your life. And we will apply this text now. I would like to make six applications for you this evening. First, know that you are suspect to being defiled. The theme music from G.I. Joe ends with, knowing is half the battle. If you are unaware of what you are capable of, you won't take precautions. And unless you have grace operating in your heart, you will have no ability to keep from being defiled. And you don't have ability to obtain purity. Two, it is the believer's duty to pursue purity. This is a call for purity in your lives. This is a call for guarding God's word. This is not just a suggestion. This is a command as indicated by the word of God. The word of the law when he says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. The implication is don't be defiled. Don't, be, uh, don't lose sight of your purity. If you don't want to commit adultery, you have to pursue purity. And this is a command for all of you and for all of your life. Thirdly, look to the only pure one. Look to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the only pure one is Christ Jesus our Lord. He was the only one who kept his way pure or clean. He was, after all, a young man when he was crucified. Perhaps he was 33 years old when he was crucified. This qualifies as a young man in my book. And he pursued purity with every thought, with every word and deed. He was absolutely pure, 100% pure in all his dealings and actions from beginning to end. Fourth, Jesus guarded God's word. Jesus guarded God's word fiercely. He guarded the word of God in every sense. More than Adam and Eve in their unfallen state, Satan came to the garden of the Lord and asked, did God really say? Adam should have slain him right then and there, but the second Adam did crush Satan under his feet. When Satan tried to tempt him in the wilderness with quotations of the Word of God, Jesus would have nothing of this. Crushing Satan when he came to the wilderness, tempting Jesus with lies about the Word of God. He crushed Him under His feet. Five, stand in awe and worship Jesus. Stand in awe and worship Him. He is the only one who walked in purity. Are you not awe-inspired? That He remained pure in all His thoughts? He never had an um, excuse me he never had an impure thought 
no matter how he was frustrated with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he never had an impure thought about them. He never looked at a woman with an impure thought or lust in his heart. He never had a thought, a sexual thought about a woman. This is simply amazing. He remained pure in all his words. Again, when he was tempted to be frustrated with uh, the people around him, he never uttered any impure thoughts or words. When the disciples did not catch what Jesus was saying, he did not get so frustrated that he uttered an unjust, angry word. I would have, but not Jesus. Stand in awe of Him. Bow down and worship Jesus. That He did not so much as utter an unjust word or an impure thought. He remained pure in all His deeds. Hebrews 7.26 says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. That covers all of His life. That the Word of God says that He is holy in all His deeds, innocent in all His deeds, unstained in all His deeds, separated from sinners in all His deeds. And because He was perfect in all His deeds, He was exalted to the right hand of God the Father. Stand in amazement. Stand in awe at Jesus Christ and worship Him. And furthermore, follow His example. Sixthly, follow His example. He didn't live so that you can live unchastely or impurely. He didn't die so that you could live unchastely and impurely. He did so that you could be free from all your sin. Free from every sin which you have been entangled with. So follow Jesus' perfect example by following Jesus' blameless and undefiled character. I ask the original question, and I hope that I have exposited this Word of God clearly enough. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to His Word. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we delight... Excuse me. We desire to be pure. We desire to be pure. Enable us to be pure. Make us to be pure. Make us purified. For it is, for this is your word. And it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to God's Word. 
please enable us with our wives, with our children, with the opposite sex, with countless others. We desire to remain pure. And un, un and and chaste. We desire it to be so. Grant us to be so. Because Christ, we follow the example of Christ. And He was pure. He was holy. He was undefiled. Separate from sinners. And we wish to follow Him in His purity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.